Yeah, so that I can't do that octave. <laughs> we we shan't be doing that today. Only Beetlejuice himself could pull it off. <laughs> Careful, we have three of these to spread through the entire episode. I'll just mispronounce it each time. Beetlemeyer. Beeplejuice. Beeplebooze. Be, be a big, big boy. A big be- beetle boy. <laughs> My big beetle boy. Big a boy, de boy. He's going to appear and just shoot you in the face for being <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Not a lot of people talk about how Beetlejuice has a gun. <laughs> to Garbage Film, the show that seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common and you don't need to enjoy just one or the other. We will take our movie of the week and pair it with something artier or trashier and hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite or at the very least are entertained. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me as always is the Gina Davis on a sandworm to my crotch grab honk. Aaron is here. <laughs> oh no. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Nick. You're Barbara Muadib. <laughs> Barbara. I I was very excited to see there is just a real tickle trunk full of things you could have chosen to open the episode with today. A real grab bag of a movie. A real crotch grab bag. A real crotch grab honk of a movie. (laughs) Actually, yeah, that's about, that sums it up. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we got to do here today. How are you, Nick? Oh, I'm good. I am uh, remembering what it means to speak into a microphone because uh, the big headline here is we're back and it's not just a dinosaur story. That is not a good movie, by the way. No. I loved that movie as a child, and I rewatched it, you know, 20 years later, and boy, it disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm, so, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> but it did teach child me about Walter Cronkite, so it can't be all bad. It's never too young. You're never too young to learn <laughs> to about it. Teach your children about Walter Cronkite. Before somebody else does. <laughs> it's a parent's choice. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, um, uh, how are you, uh, How's baseball? <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, we, we took a big chunky break. How we are you did. doing? Yeah, no, I'm good. I, I feel like the there was something about the onset of autumn this mm. year that just made my whole brain and working nervous system just wind down a little bit. Nothing bad happened. I was just like, man, I have half the energy. Yeah. I didn't have COVID. I know that. <laughs> I tested vociferously. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, it was just, and it was in a good way. It mm. felt like a very smooth calming autumn to wind into would you say that you fell into it falled into would you like to take that one more time (laughs) i don't know how to tense this awful joke (laughs) how about you well i did get sick for a while so i had that going for me and uh yeah just generally needed needed the recoup sometimes you gotta take a break and i know i felt good about doing it leaving our listeners in the lurch because we had just done a summer of horror movies, so we were, That's true, we were actually, stacked yeah. up. We could skip a little bit of spooky time. We'd put in our dues. Exactly. There's just, so much. There's. I feel like there are so many podcasts out there too that are specifically horror focused yeah. and are so good at it. And it's their time to shine, yeah. baby. And I was so I was concerned for our listeners first, and I knew that they'd of be course. taken care of. Yeah. He was pacing back and forth up all hours. What will the listeners do? What will do? the garbage bail people do? <laughs> I keep telling you, we've got to fix that. There's got to be a better name. 
Oh, yeah. I will not be able to think of it, though. Uh, but we figured we'd kick off this episode then with just a general, you know, what we've been doing spooky-wise. The yeah. usual yearly prompts go around that I don't think we've ever really talked about. Like, the thing that I'm very cognizant of, because I'm like, oh, we got to make all these in before the end of the month, are uh, the spookies we watch every year. Which yes. you will notice a trend here of every movie I'm about to say were... Movies we covered in our first October of a podcast. Yes, because we love them and there are there are spooky treats. So we always love to watch Psycho. It's a movie that you introduced me to. Some of my favorite theater-going experiences live in a theater. We're watching people react to this movie, which is a ton of fun. Yes, and he's not uh, 96 years old. Tiff just screened it a few years oh, back. Yeah. yeah, Just to be clear. Look <laughs> <laughs> what I said. Yes, the most visceral reactions to twists I've ever seen in a theater. Didn't you see a guy like shoot out of his chair like stand up yeah. at one of the one Pointed of the, at the scenes. screen and realized how like how much of a scene i guess he was making it he didn't say anything he just sat back down <laughs> <laughs> it's so good it's so a movie funny. that holds up incredibly holds up isn't even the right word like it's just it, incredible yeah it just feels it, it is 100 modern feeling yeah like it's it was what 20 years since technicolor came on the scene and yeah. this is like an absolute pinnacle of the black and white canon somehow yeah. they managed yeah love it Great stuff. Speaking of black and white, my favorite one, I know that I love this movie more than yourself, but I find it endlessly fascinating, is Carnival of Souls. Mm -hmm. It is my favorite. I like it very much. Oh, I know you like it, but I love it. Yes, I am weirdly <laughs> obsessed with it. And I know that's about myself. Yeah, it's uh, it's just a really funny... I think you, you talked about when we did this, it's got this weird mix of, like, the director used to make industrial shorts. Mm -hmm. So this, you know why don't they look like like train safety crossing videos and like yeah. like that type of filmmaking is have what you considered director... a career in woodworking yeah exactly like sort of home thing. economics and you yeah. like yeah but then you've got this just like atmospheric weird really upsettingly detached from reality premise yeah and, and it's yeah it's it's an atmosphere yeah the director's her carving is one time directing a narrative anything yeah so you've got the double whammy of it is supposed to be a surrealist sure. horror thing and he knows how to make movies so he's yeah. doing that but all he... the filmmaking is so competent yeah but then all the industrial problems the things that they don't care about in industrials like oh there was no coffee in your coffee cup just right. just fake it yeah. just look like you're trying to drink coffee i don't care uh we don't need to match continuity that much no one's paying attention to that so much yeah uh we will just the only lesson in lighting is let's make it as bright as possible yeah so it feels i need to see everything so antiseptic and weird and all the direction is like everybody acts so stilted but in a really affected on purpose way almost yeah it's so i i find it endlessly fascinating and uh go back and listen to our previous episode for how into salt hair i got and oh my you... god <laughs> it is an absolute bananas history of the building they used to film it like i i still can't believe it yeah it's it's so great yeah <laughs> and then the only <laughs> this is weird our only like contemporaneous kind of movie that is an every year thing yeah, is yeah. cure Yes. Which uh, we just like to really mess ourselves up. Um, <laughs> it's usually the like Halloween day watch. Yes. Or yeah. Halloween night, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like to get really upset and uncomfortable and watch Cure. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Again, go back and watch watch uh, with your ears our episode on that. Point because, your ears. Uh, it's too big of a bottle of worms uh, to open right now. Can yeah. of worms? Can of worms. Can of worms. I will just say uh, it's got a great use of knitwear in cinema. <laughs> The is main that guy's sweater? Miyama's sweater, yeah. <laughs> I just like it. It's the, a cute sweater. The thing that I, no part of me would be able to pull. <laughs> I'd want you to know that every time a sweater appears on screen in a movie, I go, ooh, nice sweater. Oh, For the listener, shit. she's currently wearing a sweater that she made. <laughs> that's true. That is, got cute spooky cats on it. Yep. 
they're it's, watching you. It's very cute. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where my head's at, knit-wise. Yeah. yeah. Here. And a few of our new, these feel like these might become yearly things, just like mm-hmm. old classics that we're coming to for the first time. Anybody who's ever talked up Mask of the Red Death, the Roger Corman movie, they were they're right. right. It is... God damn. Another one of those, like, B-movie, but done so competently and legitimately <laughs> amazing technical craft going into oh, it. Oh, like, yeah. So, so good. The best movie I've ever seen come out of Roger Corman, which is not saying a lot, a lot. But, <laughs> but please know that we've seen a lot of Roger Corman <laughs> movies. We did, we watched the, you know, I think they have it on Criterion yeah. uh, for October, the, or no, for September, for September which was really yeah. a weird decision, but all right. The like gothic horrors of Roger Corman. Yeah, yeah, where he took Edgar Allan Poe movies and put Vincent Price in them. And yeah. so like The Raven and, you know, The House of Usher. And all of these, like, really famous ones. But, wow, the Re- Mask of the Red Death looks spectacular. Yeah. It's really upsetting, spooky. Vincent Price is at the top of his fucking game, you know, Corman-wise yeah. in these things. Some Like, I don't, I genuinely don't know how they did some of the things that they did to make it look so, like, vivid and, and creepy looking and yeah. just... Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And the thing that I loved about it, too, like, if you've watched any of those Corman Poe movies, is that, like, all of those Poe movies are some weird combo of Poe things. Like, yeah. It's, like, this title and then this poem plus this storyline, this beat plot from another. With this character ported over from another story. Yeah. yeah, to, like, weird, like, not always successful. Some of the time you're like, I see what you were trying to do, but come yeah. on, man. But Mask of the Red Death is the perfect, like, marriage of it all, where I know all of the stories involved in it, but I wouldn't be mm. able to, like, on first watching, no part of me was able to pick out, like, oh, this doesn't feel like it belongs at all. Right, like they nice... inserted this, yeah. Yeah. It feels like all the others were practice for this yeah. one. <laughs> and it works. And I wouldn't be me if I didn't mention a Hong Kong movie, uh, and that is, of course, Mr. Vampire, the movie that, to my understanding, started the hopping vampire craze of the 80s. We were, which we all remember. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it's just like a big farce, uh, so much yeah. less actual spooky vibes and much more like, oh, what, how are we going to stop this vampire? And like, the idea with the hopping vampires is that they are just like... They'll just hop along, but, like, they can't it's be stopped. what it sounds like, yeah. They will just <laughs> hop along. They're very strong. You try to beat them up, and you can't. They'll just keep hopping, and they'll... Like look. the Terminator doing calisthenics. Yeah, That's exactly. what it is, yeah. <laughs> so it's a lot of, like, five people, like, trying to hold down a guy around his ankles while another guy pushes in front to keep them from biting uh, <laughs> another person. Like, it's very silly. And it's very silly, but it's creative. It's very creative. Yeah. Some of the, like... How, like the reason I love Hong Kong cinema is all the really intense choreography that goes into everything and yes. it's all really inventive stuff like I've watched a lot of these movies and there's a lot of stuff in Mr. Vampire that I haven't seen anywhere else and it's uh, and it's also Hong yeah. Kong um, comedy is very hit or miss with me and it all actually hits in this one which yeah is nice yeah that's fair if you're like mm, I watched a Hong Kong once and boy they thought <laughs> I had a head injury or something <laughs> it's not one of those no it's not one of those <laughs> yes very very cute and fun yeah yeah, those are great. May I uh, add a couple to your list? Please. Okay, something that I had never seen before, and I don't know if you had seen before either. I think you had um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, no, I had, had not. never seen before. Yeah. Great movie, great fun. <laughs> so, again, so creative. So creative. This is and the like, reason I don't think it's sticking with me as much as you, because in my mind, no part of it was scary. Like, no, that's the thing. <laughs> like, it's really, like, <laughs> the Freddy Krueger of it all is literally, he'll hop out from behind a bush and go, bleh. <laughs> Call you a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and boy does he but it's so it's very not that it's it's just very like all the kills are gruesome mm. and 
I just they're cool. It's just all very the design cool. of everything is very cool. Yeah. I read an insane behind the scenes about the blood bed <laughs> and and how it nearly like killed a bunch of the crew members. Yeah. <laughs> Deathbed for real. Um yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Wes Craven just reinventing the horror genre every couple of decades. Why not? That's one of those things that, like, I've heard that many times, but now that I've seen the movies of his that he did do it, I'm like, oh, he oh, did reinvent it. That time. is what that is, yeah. Credit where credit is due. <laughs> Everyone's <enough>. right. <laughs> Mr. Craven. Great name for a horror director. What else can you do in life besides re- reinvent the genre? You could be a, a weird poet. That's true. <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> you could be uh, the hunter. Mm. That's with a K, though, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, yeah. never mind. That's appropriation. <laughs> and we won't stand for it on this podcast. Um, well, I am going to mention a Japanese movie now, so <laughs> sorry for that segue, but Jigoku yeah. from Nobuo Nakagawa. Really, just, again, just like the, the imagery is so cool. It's got this little, it's about a guy who um, sort of is like witness to a, a murder, and but like kind of implicated in it, and yeah. the guilt, and he goes to hell or like he's trying to avoid going to hell he's trying to avoid the repercussions and he's got this fucking freak little friend who you love that guy i love this guy he'll just kind of pop in from out of out of frame and like be a like, little freddy krueger yeah actually yeah he's like a, a freddy krueger where you don't know whether he's evil or not but he's clearly yeah. satan anyway instead of my fingers he's smoking a cigarette yeah that's the... yeah he's being real cool in japanese in the sense <laughs> um yeah so that's a that's a real cool one in terms of like set like production design and just yeah. this conception of hell and it spends a lot of time in hell or in what of... the character's conception of hell is. Yeah, there's and... not a lot of plot going on but nope. <laughs> that like back half is just like we thought Intense of this cool images, yeah. image of hell and you're yeah. like, oh, I've not seen that one before. Neat. Yeah, so if you just want to turn off your brain and look at pretty pictures or not pretty pictures <laughs> as the case may be, Whoa. Jigoku. Big recommend. <laughs> yeah, those are those are my oldies that I, I wanted to add because nice. I, hadn't, I hadn't gotten up to speed yet. Nice. Well, I yeah. covered a lot of the oldies, and I want to talk about some of the new things that we watched, like very new things mm-hmm. that we watched this October. Oh, I um, have I have two great ones. I think they're probably the same one as me, so you could take it away. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, I think the first thing I want to mention is Late Night with the Devil, yeah. which is directed by Cameron and Colin Cairns of Australia. They've done a couple of other uh, films before this as well, but I think this is their first American thing. It's so. really good. Like, it's very... It just is... What it is you know exactly what you're getting going in it's about a tv host who's like he does a late night show and his ratings are dropping yeah. and this this host is david desmelchin whom we love on the podcast well, yes. whom i love he finally gets to be the lead in a movie which yes. is so great oh he's so good too yeah. it's really like he's he's there to just sort of move the pieces around really but he's Aaron he's literally just it. swooned what i <laughs> fell backwards Um, (laughs) he's so good he's really so good and it's just like so he decides on his mm. Halloween special to summon a a demon live on the air and what follows from that is exactly what you'd think it is but it's really great it's presented as kind of found footage yeah the like the first three or four minutes with a great narration from Michael Ironside Canadian treasure (laughs) Canadian treasure Um, it just sets up this like and we finally found the tapes here, viewing yes. it for the first time. From is... that fateful night in 1967 or whatever. 76. 76, yeah. Yeah, 
Very 70s. Yes. yes. So it really plays on this, like, the satanic panic stuff mm. of the 70s. And it's got this really, just a bunch of jokes that could only really work in that format where you'll have something horrible <laughs> happen. And then Dust Melchin just ha- kind of has to, like, summon a smile and turn to camera and go, We'll be right back after <laughs> these messages. <laughs> or some, like, we'll find out what happened to them yeah. after this word from Cavendish. <laughs> There's like the girl is pos- I won't I won't yeah. go into it, but just really a lot of like network TV and it's like overly scripted <laughs> control freak thing butting up against like someone who is possessed yeah. on air. Very funny, great uh, Toronto after after dark film fest got a hold yeah. of it and managed to screen it. I was convinced I was never going to see it. Real treasure. So definitely hope it gets a wider release. For yes, definitely go see. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then there's also um, humanist vampire seeking consenting suicidal person, uh, mm-hmm. which is a an adorable and precious mm-hmm. Quebecois film directed by Ariane Louisez, and just a, a real like I feel like some of us maybe are burned out on vampire stuff. I don't know, <laughs> but this is very much the vampire stuff is almost secondary, almost yeah. secondary to you know. It's it's like the, the circumstance action. of things rather than the plot driver. Yeah, it feels like yeah. yeah. But it's it's very. I'm trying to remember what she had compared it to. If you've ever seen uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, the Jim Jarmusch movie, yeah. or um, Juno, the yeah. Michael. Cern. I think she. Yeah, she's saying like Garden State. Garden State. Juno. Yeah. Juno's maybe a good example. Yeah. But it feels it's been so long. It feels like if Only Lovers Left Alive was slightly more horror bent and coming of age. Maybe. Yeah. It's like a girl walks home alone at night. Yes. That's if it were less sad, yeah. I think less contemplative and more like these are just it's a coming of age movie right so um yeah i really liked it a lot yeah Uh, and sarah mon petit as the uh oh she's so good the The titular titular humanist vampire (laughs) uh yeah she's fantastic she's incredible if you can see that see it yes please yeah and i also just want to give a shout out to uh real cool time which is a brand new movie that i have not had the opportunity to see yet and i wish i could but it's made by well it's produced by the fine folks over at cinefreak um who run the feels like the first time podcast which Mm. is a great podcast where uh like two of them you know they watch movies one of them has never seen the movie before and so the other is sort of like vicariously like living (laughs) through the experience of watching it again real real fun podcast please go listen to them but yeah it also stars uh of the going terribly podcast which is not movie related specifically but a real fun time Mm -hmm. uh so if you get the chance it's been sort of like circulating on the indie horror circuit uh if you get the chance to see real cool time go do it i hope it comes into wide release as well yeah or one of the various toronto film festivals yeah didn't show up any of the ones this year yeah yeah we'll We'll see we'll see go check out your honestly like there's so much creative you know there's just a lot of stuff that appears around this time of year where like horror and indie directors have to work have to like work magic on such small budgets a lot of the time but as we always say on the pod that's what really produces like nose to the grindstone you can produce some really cool shit hell yeah I, I can't recommend enough just like checking out your local horror film fest around this time of year or any time of year really but yeah. you're bound to see something January horror film fest do it we did it in the summer we can do anything <laughs> we're free of the constraints of time throw those calendars in the trash and get scared live <laughs> yeah nice so it was, as you can tell, we didn't do a lot, but we watched a lot of movies. Yeah, needed to fill up the brain batteries. Yes. And one of the ways we do that is by rewatching the movies that we 
love and hold dear. Indeed. Yeah. How's that for a segue? <laughs> we knew we were going into it. It's fine. <laughs> yes, it's time to talk about the end. The movie we're here to dig into this week. It is one that you know it, you love it, and we only get to say its title a handful of times. <laughs> Here's one. We're talking about Beetlejuice. Adam and Barbara are recently deceased. They were happy to haunt in peace. Until the new residents moved in. To rid themselves of these pesky pests, they call on the ghost world's leading bio-exorcist. <laughs> it's showtime. You want somebody out of the house, I want to get somebody out here. <laughs> but I want out. For good. Nightshade's promise. Spirits. Assuming Aaron will just be putting buzz underneath our entire. <laughs> I am actually going to sing the whole soundtrack as we go through. <laughs> it's really good. I've been practicing so much. It's the most oompa a mm. horror movie soundtrack has ever been. <laughs> a lot of the soundtrack, people pay attention to the oompas. I don't know if people pay attention to the weird hoedown violin in it. Bleep, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's a real. Is it is it too far fetched to say that this is a honky tonk soundtrack? Because I think it is. I think that's the whole vibe, actually. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> that's his first appearance. Oh yeah, yeah. Is in a little cowboy commercial. I'm just saying. This is our first honky tonk uh, spooky movie. <laughs> the first and the last. Uh, <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> Beetlejuice, originally titled House Ghosts, an awful title that for a sucks. wonderful movie. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for changing it. Yep. Titled this, by whom? Well, this is the thing. This was Tim Burton's second movie. Oh, God. Which is Imagine. very weird to think about. Yeah. Do you know what his first movie was? I, now I'm realizing I, no. I know you haven't seen it, so I What would, is it? It's a Pee-wee's Big Adventure. No way. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. That's his first movie he directed. He directed it in 1985 and Beetlejuice is his follow-up. So, like, literally this is where his entire... <laughs> brain yeah gets put in front of the camera <laughs> okay okay i keep meaning you know like Wee herman passed away and everyone was like man this is so good like you know these are buster keaton level like i'm just gonna do what i want to do mm. and be great at it and i keep meaning to, to watch Wee's big adventure yeah for both of us that's Wee is somebody that just kind of passed us by i think we were both yeah. just just slightly too young yeah i think probably but yeah that's, that's funny to go back and check out but yeah it's it's so the exact Tim Burton aesthetic that you expect that it's like, oh, this is his first time doing something like this? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. And he made this movie because he wanted to, f he like did Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It was like a surprise hit. He becomes suddenly a director who's like asked about projects. Okay. Rather than having to develop his own. Sure, sure. And he uh, wanted to do Batman. And oh boy! No one yeah. would let like greenlight it for him. They were like okay with him <laughs> developing scripts, but that's like, a toy. People don't like. <laughs> yeah, it was like yeah. there's no way we, we can bank on the idea of make a Batman movie. That's insane. <laughs> Flash forward. <laughs> yeah, thirty years ago years was and... a very different time. <laughs> Reaganomics, I assume, has something to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> something was trickling somewhere. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> with this movie, yes, maybe. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, he develops Beetlejuice instead as a like, well, that's so weird. <laughs> Batman light with Michael Keaton. 
Yeah, okay, all right. But he sees the script for this movie, and he's like, oh, this is exactly the type of thing I want to make forever, so I'll make this movie. Yeah, yeah. it's really got all his... So who wrote this? Uh, the writers were screenplay by Michael McDowell and Warren Scarin. Oh, right. Warren... <laughs> That's right. Warren Scarin. <laughs> uh, name that cracks me up every time I see it. Because every time you see it, you see Malcolm McDowell, and yes. it freaks you out. Right. <laughs> it really... What a talent. No, wait. Right whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it really feels like something Tim Burton wrote. Yeah, okay. And, like, one of the major quotes when he read it was, or people seeing him react to it were, like, saying, it's as though Tim Burton wrote it. Like, right. <laughs> that's how it feels, even though he technically had no hand in the writing process. Yeah, it's just a perfect fusion. Yep. That's funny. Like, burritos and any other food. I... <laughs> <laughs> like, why would you pick the thing that goes well with everything? <laughs> you setting yourself up. Yeah, so he hated the title so much. That was, like, the studio choice of title. Uh, sure. That he was, like, he said in a meeting, like, oh, well, let's just call it Scared Sheetless. And <laughs> oh, he said it as, like, a dumb, like, you might as well name it something as badass. And right. they're like, that's good. That's brilliant. Like, no, no, shut up. Jesus Christ. <laughs> a young Tim Burton has not learned his lessons yet. <laughs> now, no... No one will say no to him. No one. I hiccuped. Which is now a problem. Yes. <laughs> we were still in our halcyon days yeah. here. Someone say no to him, for God's sake. Please, God. Uh, if you haven't seen Beetlejuice, go watch it. You've seen the five-minute clips of Michael Keaton <laughs> acting his butt off. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe physically, literally running in circles around everybody else. Yeah. Yep. Uh, thanks to an untimely device, a young couple ends up as poltergeists in their New England farmhouse. When they fail to scare away the new owners, they turn to expert Frightmeister, Beetlejuice, who has a diabolical agenda of his own. Dun dun dun! Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. Can I just. Uh, untimely demise is putting a little lightly. That dog murdered them. <laughs> it murdered them. It did. There's a way to, like, set up the tone of movies that is so perfect. Like, there's yes. a few that are just absolutely perfect. This is. You see the dog, like, almost get hit by the car once or twice. Yeah. And then. He murders them. And then he comes back for revenge. <laughs> yeah. What I, I mean, speaking of setting tone, if I can rewind even further, yeah. the, just the opening credits of the movie, you know, the, the camera, it's like a drone shot kind of, right? It's just like making its way through this town, mm -hmm. up the hill to their house. And then a huge spider <laughs> crawls over the, the roof of the house and it turns out it's a model. I've been going through the model. That is so funny. And I feel mm -hmm. like that really... Like, when you see those spider legs come over the house for the first time, you go, what the fuck? And then you realize what's happening. You're like, oh, these are little toys yeah. for him to play with. <laughs> Perfect tone for the movie. Yeah. It's great. Such a good way to set up what would be a harder thing to, like, get into, where it's just, like, joking about suicide and death. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, like, actually dark things in this movie, but oh, they're, yeah. they're treated lightly and, yeah, I don't know. Very hard tone to, to parse, but it's done well. But the thing that, like, I think... Here's the, this movie is so well known that some of this might be common knowledge. I'm curious how much of this you know. I didn't mm. know all the things I'll be mentioning. I'm not today. a Beetlejuice scholar, so... Oh, okay. Yes. Beetlejuice you. <laughs> Beetlejuice me? Oh! You <laughs> stands for university. In Got it, sense, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the story here is by Michael McDowell and Larry Wilson. Larry Wilson did, like, the original script, and then it gets bought and taken away from him, and everybody else writes up the screenplay. But okay. Larry Wilson's original story... Uh, and script is a straight-up horror movie okay. with Beetlejuice as, like, a homicidal demon maniac. And there's, like, it sounds like a B-movie horror okay, uh, where there's, like, rapings and killings. Oh, and, my God. Uh, notoriously fucked up script that oh. Larry Wilson is told, you will never sell this. Larry, can I speak to you over here for a moment, please? <laughs> what the fuck, bro? Yeah. Um, okay. 
But uh, the screenplay gets written up by Michael McDowell and Warren Warren Scarin. Warren Scarin. Warren Scarin. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, but Michael Mc... <laughs> the quote that I really like from Michael McDowell is, quote, my philosophy, if I have one, is that universe is a joke and we are all the butt of that joke. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, Michael, can I speak to you over here for a moment, please? <laughs> Um, so just a lot of real normal brains making this movie. Oh yeah, but Warren, Warren, uh, he so sorry. he was like a Hollywood script doctor. Oh okay, thank God. Yeah, so like okay. running professional, an adult. Yeah. All right, yeah. But he worked with Michael McDowell. He worked with Tim Burton. So like it's a big. They're all working together. Collaborative. But that's where a lot of the things that are very memorable in here come out. Um, so this is like the script doctor coming in to be like, I know that you think this is good. What if instead it was uh, raping and killing, it was uh, hugging and kissing? And, like, <laughs> and they meet in the middle somewhere. Sure. So he, Scarin is coming right off of rewriting Top Gun. <laughs> so oh, very weird. Funny. Okay. It, the script doctor must be the most just like chaotic job to have. Yeah. Brain-wise. But Scarn is the guy who comes up with the what the afterlife becomes in this movie, the like oh, bureaucratic nice. stuff. Okay. And he toned down, I love this quote, he toned down Beetlejuice to make him a troublesome pervert rather than blatantly murderous. <laughs> oh, that troublesome pervert. Oh, that feels like a very 80s thing to be like, yeah, this man is a sex maniac, but he's our Beetlejuice. A, and we for some reason love him for it. yeah. We kind of do still love him for it, though. Yeah, I know, it's true. We have not learned our lesson. (laughs) And we never will. Yeah. I love the afterlife bureaucracy. See, that that feels, knowing now Michael McDowell's thing, that feels more like a hymn where it's like, haha, even in death, you can't get away from bullshit and rules. And that feels like that's Scarin saying that he, like, kind of funneled McDowell's stuff. So it was like, it's all McDowell's ideas, but how it gets actually written up and translated to the screen is Scarin. So it's... By no means is it a one-man job here. Right. Um, solidarity. <laughs> I guess is what I'm... <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is... Unionize. Um. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and speaking of the 80s, this has some people in it that were alive during the 80s. I should certainly hope so. <laughs> uh, chief among them, Alec Baldwin is here. Making choices. <laughs> yeah, do I remember right that you didn't know, you didn't recognize this as Alec Baldwin? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And this is funny, too, because, like, this, uh, I, you know, picked this out of a DVD bin at Walmart for, like, $5 when I was living on my own for the first time, and I had, like, Netflix didn't well, exist, and, and I had maybe two. I had, like, the first season of the animated television show Undergrads. <laughs> On DVD. <laughs> and what a pull. Beetlejuice. <laughs> so I just watched the, yeah, that's all I had. And so it's, I've watched it many times, and it's mm. weird to me that that never, and I loved 30 Rock, and it's weird to me that that never, I never made that connection. What are you going to do? Uh, and Gina Davis is there, the previously mentioned Barbara Muad'Dib. Um, <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> this is so dumb. We have been writing that DVD of Beetlejuice that you've, had for years, and I finally said enough is enough. I'm going to upgrade us. I'm going to hooray physical media I and think get us. Some of the charm is that it looks bad. Yes, uh, but I was like, it's time to go high definition, and I got us a little cheapy Blu-ray of this. And a uh, thing that you lose in the DVD mix that is there in the uncompressed Blu-ray is. Her guttural yelps and scre- are so funny. <laughs> She's one of our all-time yellers. She's very funny. Or like exclaimers. Exclaimers, I'd yeah. say. Because it's, it's, it's just a lot of like, bah! Bah! <laughs> <laughs> She falls down a lot and it's just like, bah! <laughs> she's, she's very funny. It's so funny. 
things that are yeah. still new to me on this like dozenth watch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a treasure. Really appreciated her performance this time around. Yes, very much. Um, we've got Jeffrey Jones. I have the face of uh, the Deo song, him saying scary tarantula stuck in my head all the time, where he does <laughs> right. the like the <laughs> arms back thriller kind of reaction. Yeah, a classic. Uh, we've got Catherine O'Hara. Uh, speaking of Nash Trej. I should have looked more into this. I think this is her big movie debut, and I think she replaced somebody last minute. Oh. I think that's what happened. Scandal. But uh, this is uh, just very cute. She met her, the production designer is Bo Welch. Right. And they met there and became married and happily ever after. And all became this. married. <laughs> became married to each other. I like the right? idea that you have this like Kafka-esque, like you wake up one morning and you've transformed into a married person. It's <laughs> cute. Yeah, it'll come for us all. <laughs> yes, we love her so yes. much. She's really writing this like psychosis line that she's really good at when she's very manic. Yeah. One of the only people who can touch Michael Keaton's level of energy in this movie, yes, I feel like. Yes, actually. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, yeah. Everybody else is decidedly low energy on purpose or, like, nervous energy. Like, yeah, yeah, or has this very, like, mm, like aloof thing mm. like Glenn Shadix does. And, yeah. <laughs> Catherine O'Hara, turning it up. But uh, the thing that captured my heart as a youngster Aww. is a little goth Winona Ryder. <laughs> I feel like this was a capital M moment for a lot of youngsters. Looking yeah. through Letterboxd reviews. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. This is for all the oh lesbians. <laughs> Yeah. Did you see this movie when it came out? No. Oh, yeah. Really? Not okay. when it came out. I well, no, no, no. But when two. you were young. Okay, yeah. <laughs> this was a real, like, catch bits of it on cable all sure. the time movie. Oh, and you had a little crush on Winona Ryder. Who couldn't? I mean, that's fair. Yeah, fair. She herself is strangely unusual. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know so bad what direction they gave her. Like, what was her conception <laughs> of Lydia and, like, what... Yeah, I don't know. I know, because she had been in, like, two or three other movies as, like, in, in this role where she's, like, the child of the stars in the sure, movie or something. Sure, sure. Um, so she's not, like, this is probably her biggest screen she's been on yet, but mm. it's not her debut by any means. Sure. So she's... She knows what's up. She's an old hand at it already. <laughs> but uh, just all of her goth dress really legit... I know I'm stuck in, like, a Dune... <laughs> a hole in my brain right now. It feels very Benny Jesuit what she's dressed as. Oh God, yeah, actually it does. <laughs> <laughs> feels very like royalty on Naboo uh, dress overall. Yes, where you're like, are you important or going to a funeral? What are <laughs> yeah. these? This is a real yeah. This this was what I understood goth to be as a child. I mean, that's yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, I I really like the. I don't think I really glommed onto it after, until like. I was a few viewings in, but the idea that they've moved from New York to yeah. move here. And I feel like she she likes being goth, but mm. it's there's no arena for her to be goth in. She's just she's just weird here. Like yeah. people don't like it. Because goth No one a, appreciates her gothness here. It's a reaction to something. Right. And now she's in a void where she can't react to no, anything. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just this like hayseed thing, which I feel like is also a Tim Burton thing. Like what if something was spooky where nothing normally is spooky? I don't know. <laughs> Things were spooky where it's normally boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The tedium horror. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs of Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's different. That is straight up horror. Yeah. <laughs> we all know that's scary. Don't, yeah, I'm going to PTSD here. Don't give me a... <laughs> You're having yeah. nom flashbacks. Uh, and the rest of the cast, we've just got, like, there's Robert Goulet and Dick Cavett and Glenn Shaddix. Everybody's just putting in... Everybody's acting like they're in a B-movie, but with, like, 
a studio production aesthetics, which I it works for me. I yeah. love it overall. It it does. They all kind of act as if they've got a little office pool going of who can be the most over the top, <laughs> but in like yeah, in their just in their very narrow little yeah. Area. Who can push it the most without going over the line? Yeah, into exactly. Like, this yeah, isn't yeah. fun to watch anymore. Into yeah. into you're being a jerk. <laughs> yes. Uh, but of course, the reason we're here to the man, the moment, <laughs> the ghoul, the goment. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Keaton. So little screen time, such outsized impact. Boy, like when you look back at Beetlejuice, do you not just remember his stuff and the Deo dinner scene? Pretty much, right? Like Like he's in four scenes, pretty much. (laughs) So crazy. Yeah. Um, All of the reviews of the time were like, we need more of this Beetlejuice guy. Audiences can't get enough of Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes. Speaking of, I want and I, I actually don't even want to know because I feel like we already know what his conception of his own character was, which mm. is this guy's off his fucking rocker. <laughs> That's it. That's all there is. The direction, like he was. So I got like, I wanted to go down a little Michael Keaton Beetlejuice. Uh, Put it right things. into my arm. But like just before I get into the direction of it, I like. I just keep talking about the perfect introduction of tone and all this. He's got his little infomercial that we've seen. Yes. See? But I feel like the entire movie is building up, like, not suspense, but in, like, pace and pitch to his actual, like, graveyard yes. introduction. And then it's just yeah. like, oh, this movie's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this is bananas. There's a real... I think it's even in the soundtrack, too. Maybe you can correct me on it, mm. but I don't think we get the full blasty blast yeah, soundtrack we, moment until he appears in their house. It's the opening credits until the Oompa Oompas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We get little little hints every once in a while, but we don't get yeah. the, the full-blown full hurrah force. Yeah. until he's uh, breaking out of his coffin. Yeah. Yeah. Is it even the coffin, or is it when he appears, like when he's summoned into their living room? Might be that. I think, I it, think it actually is I think that. it's the, when it like plays in full. Otherwise yeah. you just get like a little, yeah, because it'll play like the A section a few times. But yes, it doesn't get yeah. into the B section until yeah. the, yeah. That's until right. the circus time, yeah. This is like, it's the jaws of horror comedy. <laughs> and you can quote us on that. Michael Keaton is my mechanical shark. <laughs> Impossible to control. <laughs> Completely steals the show. <laughs> Yes, uh, would it surprise you to know that Tim Burton's first choice for the role of Beetlejuice was? There is no way you will ever guess this. who this I know. is. Wait, let me give some. Yeah, guesses. who are you gonna? Who are you uh, The funny, the the obvious first thing is Johnny Depp because it would just be sure. so stupid. Because what would he be like? Seventeen? Well, the Nightmare on Elm Street just came out. Oh like, shit! A couple yeah, years that's ago right. Before. Yeah, <laughs> get him in that crop top. Get him back on screen. <laughs> He's so slutty in that. Get him in the crop top. <laughs> Um, God, Al Pacino. (laughs) (laughs) That actually would be pretty funny. You can see him just being like, I get to do what? (laughs) Give Um, me one more guess. I just want to like, just to triangulate a little. Christian Slater. Sure, okay. He's hot stuff around now. No, Tim Burton wanted... (laughs) He can't even say it. (laughs) Tim Burton came into a meeting with executives and got shouted out because he sat down and he's like, okay, picture this. The perfect man for this Beetlejuice role. Sammy Davis Jr. What? <laughs> Just coming out of the coffin. Bang. <laughs> Sorry, I need to retriangulate a little bit here. Missing an eye. How? <laughs> Potential Satanist. Look up those conspiracy theories. Oh, <laughs> good for him. I don't know. Huh. And he got immediately shouted. Okay, so we were saying no. Yeah, we were saying well, no he something. was only. 
who do you think you are, Tim Burton? <laughs> I am not letting Sammy Davis Jr. onto the set. That's insane. <laughs> I mean... Like, the bizarre I mean, confluence of energy, it could I work. Yes, right in that <laughs> sense of, like, you don't know what he's gonna do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so. a glimpse, the mirrors universe, of, <laughs> the sliding doors universe. Of. So next time you're watching Beetlejuice and you're hearing Please. those oompas, oompas, yeah. <laughs> just picture Sammy Davis Jr. like doing a slow shoulder just strut. Kinda, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> just like slinking around set. Okay. Making weird Rat Pack references. <laughs> Fucking Instead hell. of whatever Michael Keaton's. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> instead of the Michael Keaton weird references. Yeah, so here's where I think this is pretty oh. common knowledge, but it's just you like to talk about it. So Keaton gets on, he gets in there. He's like already been a star and is waning a little bit oh. at this point. So he... Okay jumps into this role with like okay this is my role i'm going to uh <laughs> tim burton was like as much as you want to ad lib we're comfortable with that it's like great i want to add as much as you want i don't want to look at the script actually <laughs> and burton's i think he said his only direction or the main direction he got is that tim uh, is that beetlejuice should be a, a ghost of all ages where you don't really understand when he would have died so like he <laughs> okay. could have lived anywhere from 1500 to 20 years ago right right based right. on his references you're just like I like I don't know why this guy knows this little bit of knowledge. How he dresses is confusing. Yeah, um, he's got a lot of costume changes. Yeah, so Keaton, like <laughs> okay. obviously he's not the one. He's coming up with the concept of this stuff, but he's he's going through with like I want the hair to look like this. I want the makeup to look like this. I want the wardrobe to look like this. Okay, he's the one making those shots. Oh wow. Um, and like it's ninety percent of what he's doing on set is ad lib. Oh, I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that's true. <laughs> the first time he walked on set, and no one had seen him in the Beetlejuice getup, the crew just spontaneously just starts going juice, 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 juice. <laughs> that's how you know you got a winner. <laughs> yeah. So he's like electrified, and then he comes oh in and God. does his first big introduction scene. Got it. Yeah. It's oh fucking hell. So great. Oh, did they did they film everything in order so he just gets more and more like desperate and weird and like I think so maniacal. I That's think that great. all the graveyard stuff was shot first, if nothing else. Okay. Um, from Keaton, his one major memory of this movie: "quote You show up on set and just go fucking nuts." <laughs> Yeah, but Yeah, we can tell. <laughs> like, stuff like when he kicks the tree over, that wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, really? Because it's it's just picture perfect in camera. His little hop up. Like, yeah. he, none of that is scripted. The tree, he was, he did tell people he was going to kick the tree. Okay. They were like, oh, that's great. It'll just, like, it'll, it'll make you look like and... a dummy because yeah. it'll just wobble. And we can add, like, a boing sound yeah. effect. And, like, he kicks it all the way over and just turns around and goes, nice fucking model. It's <laughs> so funny. Oh my god, uh, I, the, <laughs> his introduction where he's doing his little infomercial, <laughs> it sounds like he hasn't spoken to a person in a hundred years, yeah. but he's been catching, like, like, radio, you know, he's tuning into- the ham into, radio thing. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, where he's like, oh, this is how they communicate now, okay, they just talk as fast as possible. Oh, he's so funny. All of the physicality. I, I literally, it's burned into my brain, that little where he hops up oh, onto, yeah. the, onto the hill and kicks the tree. The physicality that's stuck oh. in my brain forever that you get a kick out of because I know I do without thinking of it is his, 
his weird run up the cliff where he's trying to like wheedle his legs and arms out like he's a lizard yeah to run up and he's sticking his butt out at this weird angle That's so funny you remember uh, that planet was it planet earth 2 segment <laughs> stay with me where okay. the lizard has to escape from all the snakes he's in like snake oh, yeah. valley or whatever yes. he's running like that <laughs> Where that that lizard escapes, and yeah, you do this all the time. You do this yep. around the house constantly. It's so funny to me. It's burned in my brain forever. His big round ass. <laughs> Would you say he's got a great ass? <laughs> Would you say that about Beetlejuice? Yes. I love that the crew's nickname for him is just "Hey, that's Juice." <laughs> that's he's got juice the juice now. Yeah, he's oh, juice. he's got the juice. Uh, his makeup is so good. Like it all looks like he's molding and all this stuff. Yeah. The thing that looks bad is his weird paunch just looks like he's a pillow under his yes, shirt. Yes. Yeah. Which is so funny because <laughs> it makes him look so dumpy and like saggy and weird. It's also very funny to me. It really only what? pops into focus when he dresses like Alec Baldwin, and I thought he's just making fun of. Yeah. Alec Baldwin. It's like that's rude, frankly. <laughs> very funny. So this yeah, is where I go from like, okay, Keaton is very funny in this movie to like, oh, was he the funniest man alive in 1988? Like, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, uh, I'd be, I'd be willing to call it. Yeah, just. He's still uh, even. We saw, we saw. Uh, Knox goes away. His yeah. his directorial feature this year, and he's very funny in that. He's yep. just got this like snippy little delivery of things but when he's really he's like you know two inches from your face it's very funny delivery like yeah yeah he's able to just yeah he's very um well like got a great ass pacino energy to him he's literally <laughs> yeah, he just like actually. on like a switch gets flipped and then he's yes. crazy and then he's insane yeah <laughs> And the it's weirdest good. part of all of this to me is that Tim Burton didn't want Michael Keaton at first. He really? didn't know who he was. No. He does this movie and he's like, you know what? You're Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I I was going to ask. I forgot to bring this back up. Yeah. When you said like, he really wants to do Batman. Like, did he have Michael Keaton in nope. mind? And he was like, look how good he is. Oh my God. Not at all. So great. So you see, well, speaking of just flip a switch and yeah. you're insane suddenly. Yeah, that's Batman. <laughs> I and think we can all agree. It, there, another sliding door universe. What if Sammy Davis Jr. was Batman? Oh my God! <laughs> this is too many. No, we're the singularity is collapsed. I can't. I can't picture it. Oh God! And how much That's do great. you think? I can't remember when the the animated movie Aladdin comes out. Beetlejuice has genie energy to oh, me. When you were when you were talking about like references that you don't like, yeah. I still am encountering things in my day to day life where I hear someone. Talk, like the first time I heard Peter Laurie in a movie, I was like, oh, that's what, <laughs> that's what, that little creep that's what the genie like. was doing when he's doing that voice. There are still things that I'm encountering from that series of impressions. And yes, very much the same energy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I may I just his it, the only time he really like takes it down volume or pitch wise I, I feel like is when he's they ask him like what if we're yes. gonna hire you what are your qualifications and he goes well i was trained at the juilliard school and uh, went to harvard business and that time when he kind of he starts out normal and then he the he crow comes into his voice and he starts doing that <laughs> that bit really kills me it's funnier every time <laughs> single time i just want to do a little shout out of dairy girls there's a scene where the head teacher Mm. nun at the school they see her on a bus and she's reading the exorcist and just chuckling to (laughs) herself 
It, you know, it makes me think of it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I forgot about that bit. That's it's bit. so funny. Sister Michael. Lover. <laughs> uh, yeah, like... Wow. The Springboard into Batman. Into Batman. Burton, the funny thing about this, too, is that, like, okay, Pee-wee's Big Adventure Guy, what do you got? Let's give you a little budget. Like, the... <laughs> Yeah, what are we talking? Because a lot of the effects are very, like, they're, you know, stop-motion claymation things. Yeah. Some of them are, are practical, obviously, in, in that in-camera sense. What was he working with? He was, I think that they said he had $1 million total for visual effects. Oh, God. And okay. so his reaction to that was, oh, I will make it look really bad on purpose. <laughs> That's the plan, because there's no way okay. it's going to look good. Okay. Like, those are the two choices. So he was like, I want it to look like a B-movie. So he was leaning into the, yeah. like, this is silly. Yes. Very I much mean, on purpose. It, it, it kind of works, though. Like, it, you're dealing with unreality. Yeah, it does. And I, I gotta, this is where I gotta take a step off of my little high horse, because I, I... Even at the time, it was like, man, this movie's so great. It's a shame it looks like shit. Like, that's what I remember thinking even as a right. kid. Just like, oh, Bummer. aesthetics are a oh, choice. It's, yeah. <laughs> that was on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. The one thing that I really, I wish looked better is the sandworm stuff. Yeah. Because you can tell they wanted it to be a little more intense than it comes across. Yeah. But the, you know, theater of the mind. It's fine. Yeah, you're on Saturn. What are you going to do? Yeah. I look what a choice. Uh, yeah. It's not even Why like hell Saturn? or like a in between pl- Saturn. Okay. All right. Did we <laughs> just know. find out there's sand it, on Saturn? Like, is it what? supposed to be a moon of Saturn? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Some yeah. of them have life, reportedly. Uh, oh. Yeah. What if they're sandworms? <gasps> that would be incredible if the first thing we find, like first life we find are those fucking worms with littler worms inside them. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Burton, new god emperor. <laughs> I was going to go with the Rasputin, but I enjoy a better God Emperor uh, (laughs) reference more than anything. We're in the Dune Hole. The only... In the Dune Hole, everything is very funny about this movie, but the the only other, like, really specific detail that I want to shout out that I forget every single time and come back into that I think is great is that the nosy real estate agent, you only see her daughter, like, two times, I think. Yeah. And both times she's dressed her daughter exactly like her. Yeah, in the credits, it's like Jane Butterfield is the real estate agent, and the daughter is credited as Little Jane. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. It's very funny. It's a good bit. Yeah. I No, no attention paid to it whatsoever, but just, this is a movie full of delightful little bits. Oh, uh, delightful bits. I love it. I feel like this movie really is like that that thing where it's like, oh, that's uncanny. It's this very Tim Burton-y thing of like, yes, the suburbs are, they seem normal because you live in them. Mm. But if you take a step back, like, it's very, you know, observation comedy thing of like, have you ever thought about how, you know? Yeah, and what's with airplane food? For instance. <laughs> Speaking of artists coming into own generally, I think this is where you get what becomes the sound of Danny Elfman is this movie. Oh, okay. So where is this in his oeuvre? I should I should have looked more into this, but I know that I've seen other movies with Danny Elfman scores yeah. that do not sound like, that are all real like, oh, Danny Elfman. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Where you're like, oh, if you know after the fact, yeah. you could probably guess. Oh, but... God. There's, there's something that we saw relatively recently that has like a mostly grungy... Uh, like, well, he's he's like a he's like a metal guitarist. Yeah, he's, which he's got that energy to him. It's would surprise you if you only know this version of Danny Elfman, but yeah, like so. I think that this is their first. Well, it's got to be their first time working together because uh, he didn't work on Pee Wee's Big Adventure. There you go. I don't think. I say that very authoritatively. <laughs> he didn't, you know. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh yeah, it's gonna make me. Oh, I know what it was. It was um, uh, to die for. 
Uh, oh shit, that's right. That's right. And that's after yes. this. Oh. To Die For is from 95 and Beetlejuice yeah, is 88. Where yeah. like, you wouldn't know it to hear it, but you look in the credits after you're like, oh, I guess I can I mean, see I that. guess I can retroactively see yeah. it. Yes. Also a great movie. Yes. Yeah, To Die For is more like, well, you know, that insidious creeping thing of the, the suburbs have that like yuppie, <laughs> yuppies, you know, the inherent terror of yuppiedom. <laughs> Keep them away from me. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. This is a balls-to-the-wall Danny Elfman yeah. situation. I feel like, yeah, whatever Michael Keaton is doing in acting, Danny Elfman is doing in orchestration. Yeah, like, you wouldn't be surprised if there was, if you're going through IMDb and, like, trivia bit, uh, Danny Elfman played the score for Michael Keaton to get him in the mood. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like, that wouldn't come as a surprise. I doubt it actually happened. They did a shit ton of cocaine together right <laughs> before they started working. Yeah. Um, one fun soundtracky thing that doesn't have to do with Danny Elfman that I just this is one of those like as a kid obsessed with classical music this is one of those trivia points you nestle away for when Beetlejuice uh, sure. comes up in conversation <laughs> as it does yep uh, it will come up in conversation <laughs> we're talking about it right now the scene where Lyd Lydia is writing her suicide note oh yes what is that aria that aria is Apologies for my Italian pronunciation. So Regnava nel silenzio. Okay. Uh, from the opera Lucia dell'Amore. Oh. Uh, which is the opera famous for the uh, Lucia of Lammermore. Uh, she. Go on. She keeps seeing ghosts and goes crazy and kills herself. By jumping from a window, right? Yep. Yeah. By plummeting, we might say. Sorry, yes, scratch that out. Plummeting. The actual aria that she's listening to is the the very famous one from the opera where she's describing seeing a ghost and how she's going to kill herself but then is saved by a guy who proposes marriage and they get they're going to get married and then it turns into a tragedy ultimately right, this right. is like the end of act 1 where it's like things might turn out okay after all yeah so like uh -oh. it just telegraphs the rest of the the movie it nice. is, i think that is so interesting funny. I think that's interesting. I, I feel like whenever there's one piece of classical music, it's always either this, like, we literally just went into the cheapest, you know, stock music thing we could find, <laughs> or this means something very specific, yeah. and I, I know what opera it's from. Like, you, the music supervisor is, you get that job by being a big honkin' music nerd, I feel like. Yeah, probably. So you'd be like, what's happening this scene? Oh, I know Ooh, what to put on. I know <laughs> just the thing. It's so dramatic, so melodramatic oh, yeah. for this teen. Well, I mean, this is a very... I don't know, it's one of those scenes where, like, it's played a little bit for laughs because she is, like, meticulously composing mm. her fucking suicide note, but what, she's, like, 11? And I think she's supposed to be, like, 13. Really? Older. Okay. Yeah. Damn, girl! <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> that's part of it, but, yeah, she, the whole thing, and it kind of, I feel like at, at a big picture, like, when you're done watching Beetlejuice, you're like, Michael Keaton's funny, and then soundtrack's good. And then the, the meat of it is really that... It's not the, the tragedy and the the problem isn't the Maitlands. It's yeah. this child. They have to actually save this child because she's yeah. gonna kill herself well, otherwise. Like she wants to be dead, and Beetlejuice is her way in. To use a phrase that I I don't know why I hate when it comes up in movie review things. Uh, Lydia is the heart of the movie. Like yeah, no, that's true. She, yeah. She's the emotional grounding because yeah. everything else is big silly laugh arounds and. She gets some of that too, obviously. But she's she's silly in that way that twelve year olds are mm. silly, where you're like, "This will pass. This is a phase." But it's the most important thing in the world for you, the yeah. twelve year old. You know, being injected with hormones every morning yeah. when I wake up and it's making me crazy. 
<laughs> She's just as crazy as Beetlejuice, just yes. in the sad way. And aren't they a yeah. great match, folks? <laughs> no, boo, boo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a there's a bit, they're in the car before they die. They're, you know, driving mm. down to the town. And it's kind of implied that they just lost a pregnancy or, like, yeah. you know, recently Miscarriage did. or something, yeah. Yeah, and the real estate agent keeps needling them about, the, like, this is really a house that a family should live in. And, like, you know, and then they kind of adopt her at the end. I feel yeah. like that's their... She she saves them back. It's nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, otherwise, just like grotesquely serious scene to have. <laughs> yeah, and this is like the, the 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 tone is so nicely balanced where you can laugh at it and not feel that bad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah. You're like I'm pretty sure this is fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I like it's funny because the way I these are memories coming back to me. We're talking about discovering this movie. I definitely saw it either on cable or in snippets or something like oh, okay. that, but I loved the cartoon. Yes, me too! You do? Yeah, yes, okay. I love that cartoon. But I, And I feel like this is one of those, like, oh, they, they, the people doing this cartoon got it right. They understood that the things people wanted were yeah. Beetlejuice and Lydia. They do not care about the Maitlands Yeah, like, okay, the, whatever, the it's parents. fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, those are merely set dressing at yeah. this point. They are plot contrivances. And it makes yes. the animated series is so different from the movie, because I remember watching the cartoon and loving it yeah. and then being like oh I'm finally going to sit down and watch Beetlejuice <laughs> oh, and being no. like oh, where no. is Beetlejuice <laughs> whenever Beetlejuice isn't on screen every other character should be yeah. <laughs> exactly peak that that's yeah. like watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer the show and then going back and like I'm going to see the movie that kicked all of this off no have you seen that movie I have not yep <laughs> is it bad yeah <laughs> it is bad actually <laughs> It's just it's just so different. Right? Yeah, very. That's um, that's the, the 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 feeling I remember, and I remember initially disliking the movie for those reasons. Oh, really? But I think it is something. It's for more of a an older crowd. Uh, than, probably fair. Yeah, like maybe teenage. I was probably seeing it when I was like eight or nine, as opposed to like. Oh, you and your before you hit double digits horror movie. I was very unsupervised. Yeah, your brothers were unkind to you. <laughs> was extremely unsupervised. Powerfully unsupervised. Yeah. But I, no, I, I just sat in the corner of red I mean, and watched things. <laughs> I like, I feel like that was, was it Teletoon or YTV? Um, yeah, one of those. Uh, yeah, I gotta go to my podcasts that, uh, yeah. The, we go now live to we, the podcast. <laughs> there was such a run of like, like things that go bump in the night. And yeah, like I love that show. Real monsters or whatever. Like a lot of kids shows at the time were about just monsters and like Halloween shit year round. But I think like I I look at like my nieces right now and like they're scared of monsters and stuff. But sure. the thing that has made them all feel better about it, I got um, my a nieces cr- some like little stuffies that are monsters. Yeah, and. They went from literally be, like being this scared of so monsters, cute. running in the room and going like, "A monster! He's yeah. nice. He's my friend. He's my friend. Monsters what? are okay now." Yeah. Like she's... the merch saved it. Yeah, yeah. They were having bad dreams about monsters, and you get a little one of those like squishmallow monster mm. things. And you're like, "Oh, oh, he's my friend." Yeah. Like, yes, got him. But that goes down to like the the core of this movie. Like the impetus to write it initially was. The through line was always the ghosts are good, like the Maitlands are good. Oh, sure, sure. And like in the original horror movie version, the Maitlands are trying to thwart this evil demon that is killing and raping people. Oh, so they're not ghosts in this, or they are? They are. In the original treatment. Yeah. Okay. So oh, the, uh, that's, I mean, also an interesting layer. The core concept of it always was what if ghosts were actually good? Because this is coming after Ghostbusters oh, okay. comes out. 
the exorcist was this existed. the first like we're gonna see the story from the point of view of the ghost yeah like, literally yeah <laughs> that's so funny yeah. i never think of it that way but yeah okay yeah because it opened right the coming off ghostbusters yeah. yeah 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 so that uh well done i guess they succeeded yeah <laughs> it worked a lot <laughs> this was also this is how i learned who harry belafonte was <laughs> You love Harry Belafonte. I love Harry Belafonte. Yeah, he's good in a lot of movies. Yep. I'll say that. And his music rules. It does. And like, literally, it got to this movie because it was very cheap to license. Like that's... Uh, yep, <laughs> yep. Classic. We love it. Worked out great. <laughs> Worked out great for us. I still have uh, the ending song stuck in my head. Because it's great. Yep. And little things like th- this movie is so... Like Catherine O'Hara coming in. They were going to... Do- oh, I can't remember the song. For the Deo scene, mm-hmm. it was going to be some other thing, some other mm. like pop song or like a Frank Sinatra song or something. Okay. And she was like, "No, you you got like some Calypso stuff in the very beginning. Like there, this has occurred in the movie. What if it's that same song?" Oh shit! Oh, so this was her idea. Yeah. That's great. I thought it was in the mi- beginning of the movie because of the Deo scene. I can't remember what comes up first, but I know that it's her idea to use that song oh. for that scene. Yeah. She has absolutely impeccable creative instincts. Mm-hmm. love that absolutely that's funny it's so memorable it's such a silly like you've got this very like not even gothic just like horror yuppie like just this <laughs> upsetting yuppie. like modernist surrealist gray tableau room. yeah <laughs> but then they're all like doing the sunniest song imaginable is just a, a perfect mm-hmm. like just pick the photo negative of that mood <laughs> it's very good yeah. yeah so the arc of this so in the plot synopsis, the the thing is like they have to thwart Beetlejuice's evil, you know, plan or something. Yeah. What the fuck is his plan? Is it just get out? Yeah, get a child bride. Oh, that's hmm. All right. <laughs> Why do we like him? <laughs> He's the the demon you love to hate. You love to hate him. I love it. Yeah. yeah. But like, I remember going back to the animated series. He's not a troublesome pervert in no, the series. No, he's just he's like just a, a silly gross. guy. Yeah. He eats bugs. Yes. And that's yeah. like it. And he has a weird pointy tongue. Like that's, you know, that's kind of it. It's very, yeah. But then you watch this movie and you're like, oh, he has sound effects where nobody else does. Sure. <laughs> but also he keeps grabbing his crotch and fondling genitalia. Yeah. <laughs> This troublesome pervert. They managed to get rid of him for half the movie by sending him to a whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie for children, by oh, the way. Oh, which, uh, that horse, so I, uh, I can't remember which of the story people, it was Michael McDowell or Larry Wilson, one of them was like a uh, uh, tourist of the macabre. Oh, uh, so what the hell that, is that? <laughs> that hell house, hell house, that um, whorehouse, he collected like macabre art from oh, the past. Okay. So like, that is literally a drawing that, a French artist did of oh. like what a whorehouse would be in hell if. from like the 1800s. Oh my god! So that's god. another aspect oh. of like this timeless demon thing. Like he doesn't blink yeah. twice. He's like, oh, this is what a whorehouse yeah, looks this, like. <laughs> it has a very. I mean, it's kind of down to the you know stage setup feeling of him being in the model, but yeah. it has this like this would have been you know part of a French review show like like cardboard backgrounds yeah. feel to it yeah and like the thing that I had to look up That's I finally funny. looked this up he has a like he says something like I'm the hottest thing that's come over since Valentino I think he yeah. says Valentino he's referencing a 1920s Italian film star who was like a heartthrob oh which I is thought he meant a, the designer <laughs> yeah, what such the fuck? a bizarre like no one knows that only film <laughs> uh, nerds knew that like the 80s the only people that would have known that were people who are reading about italian silence yeah 
descendants of Valentino himself. Yep. That is so funny. Yeah, that's a joke for four people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All who are named Valentino. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, he's he's got he's a very chaos demon energy mm-hmm. to him. Okay. And we yeah. love it. I, I love that the, you know, the yuppie of it all is very like, I don't like standing in line and waiting. I'm going to pay someone to get around the established process. Like, the rules are there for a reason. I don't like that. I don't think they should apply to me. And so we hire the guy who's insane. <laughs> Almost gets your new child friend kidnapped into hell. Yeah. It's yep. a very, this is this is just a contracting horror story is what it is yeah this, yeah the fear of like oh i'll just hire somebody on task rabbit yeah <laughs> oh, oh they're god. in my home oh god and they're on cocaine <laughs> they're on cocaine what am i a hundred <laughs> they've taken the cocaines are um, you a hundred do you know who valentino is i do oh no <laughs> he's beetlejuice Ignoring that entirely, it's time for one of our newest segments, which uh, we know and love. It's time for Review Review, with yes. both words spelled differently. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Do I want to go first? Uh, this is just a segment to look at some reviews, either contemporary or olden ones. <laughs> you, can, you can go first. I'll go first. Yeah. So I want to highlight um, two quotes from the Hollywood Review's 1988 original review, should have written, written down who actually wrote this review, but I didn't. <laughs> That's fine. It's an experience rather than another, another helping of the same old thing. Nice. Which is such a like, ooh. <laughs> Snap. Yeah. The rest of the movie. <laughs> but this is a thing that like, this sounds like a burn to me, but uh, also, is it that out there? Quote, sure to baffle moviegoers who favor films with a conventional narrative. What? <laughs> All right. Was this that out there for like main studio stuff at the like late 80s? I just don't think that's true. <laughs> like I, I get that it's got a bit of a, it, it's got a. It you is never know, really bizarrely. Yeah, I'll you never that. know what the main plot is going to be until you're done the movie, I guess. Yeah, do yeah, know, actually. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Because, well, to your point, you said, you going back to the synopsis, what is his plan? Like, that doesn't yeah. really matter while you're watching. <laughs> um, the scary part is he doesn't have one. Yeah. And uh, just from Letterboxd user Madison McRae, can't believe Alec Baldwin was cute once upon a time. Hate that. <laughs> Hate yes, Slitterbox is just full of people being horny for various actors in Actually, this movie. Actually, yeah. Which shouldn't surprise much. And uh, we all hate the monster Alec, Alec Baldwin has become. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you almost said Alec Guinness. Yeah, I did. going to be very, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is fine. I can leave it alone. <laughs> uh, one of the reviews I would like to highlight is just for my own uh, edification, <laughs> because Letterbox user Kate says, that's Alec Baldwin? <laughs> Yeah, so you were picking up on a lot of the similar themes I was. Yes, come on, come on now. <laughs> yeah, that really justified those three words. Really, some yeah. of your experience with this movie. <laughs> and there's one from Branson Reese uh, ah. that says, "Thank God Tim Burton made this movie in 1988 and not 2008. Can you imagine what a piece of shit this would have been with a ton of green, purple CGI swirls and Johnny Depp as Beetlejuice? Oh. God damn." I'm- <laughs> I have thought of Johnny Depp as Beetlejuice, and it makes me uh, so sad. Here's the thing, though. Like, I obviously it wouldn't be as good as as what Michael Keaton is doing, but like, I don't, I don't think he himself would have been bad in this. I, d- mm. I don't think it would have been off-putting in the same good way. Yeah, but then we'd have to have two. No, no, I uh, agree. Two awful men in this. We, <laughs> we dodged a bullet in a yeah. Se- Yes, yeah, and I, I. 
I don't know. I I didn't know how to like present this on air, but the I just want to state for the record how many reviews are like goth Winona Ryder, please step on my neck. Yeah, oh my just, god! There's so much, you can't get away from it. Some of them are just her name. Yes. They, it just says Winona Ryder, and that's the whole review. And I appreciate that. So, but to be fair, a lot of the movies I see with Winona Ryder, that would be my entire. Review. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah, totally fair. Yeah, yeah. So we're all. I think we're all of one mind on this, except for we're all on one mind of this now. There's something that everyone can be horny about in this movie. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we got the monster fuckers covered. <laughs> We got young, handsome Alec Baldwin. We got young, beautiful. I mean, I say young, beautiful, but she's like still beautiful. Gina Davis. Yeah. Um, peak Gina Davis. That's not kind either. Like she's always been hot. It yeah. doesn't matter. Gina Davis. Let's you got Catherine that. O'Hara doing whatever that is. Yes. And you know there is someone out there for that. <laughs> Big time. <Yeah. laughs> you got Glenn Shadix for the gays. Oh, yes. You know, you got Winona Ryder for the lesbians. Sure. Yeah. Late, latent lesbians. Well, I Gina guess. Davis is doing it for the lesbians. That's too. true, That's actually. Very That's strong fair. bone That's structure. Fair. Yes. Well, Gina Davis is just doing it for everybody. What are, what are we talking <laughs> We're just, about? Why my review singular... now is just Gina Davis. <laughs> Why did I single out any singular group? I it's don't think, yeah, exactly. It's a gift to Your humanity. Whole point, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you got whatever uh, Michael Keaton is doing. You absolutely know someone summer was like, hmm. Oh, that awoke some people hmm. for sure. Yep, yeah, yeah. So there's that. I just want to highlight we've said Beetlejuice like a couple dozen times. Yeah, so sorry for whoever's home he's showing up yep. in right now. Yeah. Um, I like that you can banish him by saying his name three times as well. So maybe we're just blinging him in and out of existence <laughs> he's so right confused. now. He's, he's mad. He's bad. I do like. There's the bit where he has to. He does charades to get another yeah. writer to say the name. But there is something about like obviously part of the curse is he can't say his own name. Right. Which but is there funny. is something to be said about I don't want people saying my name all the time. Yes, <laughs> like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. What if two groups of people say it at the same time? Where does he go? Just get split in half. Oh God. <laughs> This movie is but which horrible. Do, how do you split Beetlejuice in half? If is Beetlejuice it wore hips? pants, would he <laughs> yeah, wear them? Yeah. How would Beetlejuice wear a shirt? Uh, what? what are you? Are you on cocaine? Uh, yeah. Here comes another brilliant segue. Speaking of Beetlejuice. <laughs> no. I'm No. Canceled. The movie was popular enough to spawn an upcoming legacy sequel, oh, yeah. a nearly 100 episode animated series, a musical, and a few video games. So it's time for another rendition of... Graboid onto these facts. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Beetlejuice Extended Universe. Here we go. Yeah. The okay. title that I will no longer explain. <laughs> Figure it out on your own. <laughs> Hint. It's in our Tremors, Tremors episode. episode. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Uh, I barely remember. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny at the time. Uh, which is a lot of my life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's just talk about the original. The, the movie we're here trying to discussing anyway. <laughs> Uh, one might say I wanted to find a way to shoehorn these in, and boy, did I do it. The I'm spelling so of Beetlejuice, the title, is obviously different than what his name is in the movie, which right. is Beetlegoose. The, po- the popularly mispronounced star in Orion. Sure. That's, that's what he's supposed to be named. Right, after. right. Something that remains at odds through all of the media of Beetlejuice fame. He's always credited as with the G, yeah. but the title is always with the J. So was this initial difference in spelling due to A, fear people would think it was a sci-fi movie with a name mm, of a star in it. Sure. B, a marketing executive just thought it was funnier, this way, with juice on a poster. <laughs> C, fear that people wouldn't have any idea how to pronounce the movie. 
So they'd walk up to and they'd lose, lose Bird of Mouse. Like, I want some for the Beetle whatever. The Beetle, yes. Uh, D, Burton, Burton said it would be funny to name it this to avoid calling it House Ghosts. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I mean, my instinct is C. That C. marketing executives shop that around and they're like, no one has any fucking idea how to pronounce this. Yeah. Going with C? Yeah. Okay. A valiant effort, but incorrect. Ah, the correct hurts. answer was a marketing executive just thought it was funnier. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's literally the entire reason. And I think Bert was just right. exhausted by like, as long as it's not house ghosts, I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. care. <laughs> don't spill it, house ghosts. Okay. That's totally fair. See, I'm constantly surprised that marketing executives on movies have good ideas. Whenever they get one right, it's just yeah, kind of like, like oh, I guess it makes okay. sense that they've dropped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can pull one out of the bag every now and again. Uh, question the second. Uh, the DVD of Beetlejuice holds a distinct honor amongst physical media. Oh. Was it because, A, this is the first DVD that had an animated menu. Oh, wow. B, the first DVD to feature menu-based Easter eggs, such as Michael Keaton honking on his crotch at you. <laughs> C, the first DVD ever sent out as part of Netflix's mail rental catalog. Or D, the first DVD to feature exorcism vision, whereupon every time a character says Beetlejuice three times, the colors invert. It was then taken off the market due to causing seizures in children. <laughs> you are smiling so much about D, you made that up. <laughs> I usually have a good poker face, but I you realized as I was yeah. looking like, this one is three times longer than the other ones, including <laughs> the one I made up. I, oh, I'm gonna, I've been burned by... <laughs> I'm going to go with C again, I think, because I have a vague memory of that being true. This is, are you going with the, the tried and true uh, method of choosing multiple choice answers? <laughs> Not too stingy on the C's. Sprinkle C's liberally throughout. No, I, I genuinely think that might be true. Ring-a-ding-ding. Yes. She's on the board with a point. Nice. <laughs> That's all I needed. Good night, folks. So yes, it yeah. was the first DVD ever sent out as part of Netflix's... Uh, catalog and that Mail can never catalog. be taken away no that's so true except when they take movies away from us <laughs> yeah then right. uh, they threw yeah. them all in a trash can and called it a tax right off <laughs> what do they what did they do with it doesn't matter I don't know, I don't give know. them to hungry orphans i'm not sure <laughs> chew on this yum okay. uh, good orphan voice <laughs> yum yum <laughs> uh, it's time to talk about the animated series. Nice, nice. Okay, let's see what I can recall. So it ran for two years only, which is insane to me, because I remember watching so many of these. Yeah. Two years and 94 episodes. Oh my god. Just <laughs> insane. Oh my god. Four seasons over two years. Somehow, again. What were we doing? The first okay. season was 13 episodes, the second was eight, the third was eight, and the fourth, which ran concurrently with the third on a different network, was 65 episodes. What the fuck is going on? I don't understand okay. how network TV worked. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone else did it. Yeah. Like we talked about, it's mostly right. harmless kids, like gross out gag fun. Yeah. Uh, like what just... if Beetle just pulled a live worm out of his mouth? Blech. Yeah. Like yeah. I remember the her singing Deo coming home and the, the main Danny Elfman theme being the title music. We all have fun memories. Yeah. In the series finale, <laughs> Beetlejuice gets so upset that his personality splits into two different... Beetlejuice beings. Okay. What are their names? A, Dr. Sigmund Void and Dr. Ivana Pavlov, which are, of course, <laughs> right. plays on the famed psychologist. Mm -hmm. Posajuice and Negajuice, Toe Jam and Earl, or Pistopher and Lee, named <laughs> after horror icon Christopher Lee. 
I know which one you made up again. Uh, what do you mean? Um, your favorite name, Pistopher. <laughs> I'm realizing you might be Beetlejuice. These are all crazy and silly. I have been playing in and out of existence yeah. throughout this as we say my name. Oh, I should have clocked that. Um... Um, I mean, I remember the vibe of the show being such that A would make sense, where mm. they make a, like, inscrutable reference. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I feel like Pods of Juice and Nega Juice is, like, snappier. Mm. What's the third option? Toe Jam and Earl. Right. That's a song or something. Or Oh, see, now I'm I don't know artist. which... I can't, and I won't. <laughs> Isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. It's coming up in my brain. It's throwing a song card. All I have is the card that's been placed in front of me. Okay. <laughs> it's how much money I will pay you to stop <laughs> making up. <laughs> and my eyes turned to dollar signs. I might be Beetlejuice. Oh, no. Is it A? Is it A? Dr. Sigmund Void and Dr. Ivana Pavlov? Yeah. It is... B, Pazajus and Negajus. All right, I should yeah. Dr. Yeah. Sigmund Void is, of course, who Lydia turns to uh, in that episode for oh. help on how to restore Beetlejuice. Great. And Toe Jam and Earl are just from a video game I like. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. <laughs> well, what uh, video game? Pardon? What video game? Uh, Toe Jam and Earl. Oh, great. Don't know why I asked. Okay. <laughs> video games, video games, video games, video Speaking games. Speaking of. There's a few of them. They are mostly modeled after the animated series, but there's one that is just the licensed playthrough of the movie, which was a, okay. a very popular thing to do in the early 90s. Okay. Uh, so Rare produced 1991's uh, Beetlejuice on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Gracious. You play as Beetlejuice and run through the events of the movie, okay. but it's full of fourth wall breaking stuff. Like you'll finish a level and then Beetlejuice will like... There's just an animation of Michael Keaton's face, and he'll be like, I don't know about you, but uh, I had a fun time scaring those people. Let's go on to the next level, chum. Like, directly addressing the player. Okay, all right. Uh, I turned into Batman at the end of that. Um, chum. Like most licensed fare, it's not very good. Um, Rude. But which of the following is not featured as part of the game? Okay. Which of these is not? So one of these is false, three of these are true. Okay. A, a unique game over animation where Beetlejuice tells you that if you die in the game, you die in real life. <laughs> B, the stomp button. There's a button devoted to stomping. It only works on when there's little bugs on screen that don't affect anything and it adds nothing to the game. No, nothing happens. Great. Okay. People didn't like that. <laughs> Scares. These work like ranged weapons and are purchased from the shopkeeper who is the shrunken head explorer. Uh, nice. Nice. Okay. Or D, a hungry Beetlejuice. Uh, the requirement to pass certain levels is that Beetlejuice has to eat enough bugs to save himself. <laughs> I really feel like D is true. You think he's a hungry Beetlejuice? Yeah. Uh, oh, one is not. These are always so funny because they're all weird. <laughs> Most of them are true. Yeah. See, I warmed you up on the ones that were clearly me making shit up. But yeah, now yeah. it's not so easy, is it? <laughs> Yes, you're very good at this segment. Thank you so much. Oh, boy. Unique game over. The stomp button. Scares. Or a hungry beetle. I mean, I would believe the unique game over, but the die in real life bit sounds too... Is that before... No. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to go with C again. I'm very predictable. I'm so sorry. I am going to go with C. The scares that work like ranged weapons? Yeah. That is... 
Incorrect. Ah, no! Okay, The well. unique game over is not a part of the really? game. Really? Yeah. Oh, that seems like something they totally would put in there. And it's got that little, like, what Nightmare was... on Elm Street, like, oh, silliness. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Is that what that's from? Not... If you die in, I actually like, you die in don't life? know. Because but... I say that a lot, and I don't yes, know what it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> it's been parodied so much, but mm. that's the that's what I is coming to mind. But recency yeah. bias, who can say? And our final huh. question. Okay. Like it or not, Beetlejuice 2 is coming our way. Isn't though? Apparently it's done filming. Oh, shit. Okay. I, I think. I think that's what I read. Okay. But to that end, who knows if this movie is actually happening. Yeah. So there's a lot of rumored and quote confirmed and quote casts uh, in it. Okay. As of this recording date, there's my disclaimer, <laughs> uh, which of these actors is not expected to appear in it? So again, three of these oh, will man. be in here. One of them will not. Okay. A, Willem Dafoe. Oh, boy. B, Monica Bellucci. C, Jake Busey. Oh, boy. Or D, Jenna Ortega. I, God damn it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Jenna Ortega feels like a slam dunk for this. Like, she's just in all mm. the spooky stuff now. Um, it would be really funny if Willem Dafoe was in this. Because how are you going to... How are you going to out Beetlejuice Beetlejuice? <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess that's the mission you're going on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. Jake Busey also feels like a slam dunk, but in a different way. Well, eh, Monica Bellucci would be weird. This is, I don't know. Jenna Ortega is the only one I'm sure is not the right answer. Important part of multiple choice is eliminating the things you know are, are wrong. There so this you is... go. This, this podcast actually doubles as SAT press. I don't know if people know that. Um. The buttered toast is to Beetlejuice as the... Finish it. <laughs> Finish your sentence. I've never taken a SAT. I don't know how... <laughs> One SAT, please. Monica Bellucci is my final answer. You're going with B, Monica Bellucci. Yes, because I didn't want to answer C again and get burned like an idiot. Well, unfortunately, you would have been right if you had gone with C, because Monica Bellucci is slated to appear in Beetlejuice 2. What a sentence. Jake Busey, of course, is not. (laughs) Jake Busey, of course, is Beetlejuice. Oh, Willem Dafoe is in Beetlejuice 2. Okay. Willem Dafoe is Beetlejuice 2. (laughs) The only thing I know about this fucking sequel is that for a while, like, they wanted to do one right away, didn't they? And it was going to be Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And they were like, no. (laughs) That's not... So so one of the writers was just like, that's stupid. (laughs) We can't be doing this. And I think the original story writers both passed away. Oh, no. Before it could really develop. So it was kind of like, it's in poor taste to do this right now. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Thank God for that, at least. Yeah. Okay, well, excited and horny and scared to see what comes next. Oh, I thought you were just talking about yourself. No, just in general, yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh. And that will do us for uh, another round of Grab One and Anthony's Facts. It's time to wrap her on up with our takeaways from Beetlejuice. What's your your big takeaway from... (laughs) Big takeaway. Well... 1988's Beetlejuice. It is, like I said, it's kind of like, you know, the general arc, but once you stop watching it, you're like, that was just a lot of stuff. And I'm not (laughs) sure if or how some of it related to other parts, but it's just a fun time while you're watching it. Um, It's really, it's more horrifying than like the tone makes it seem. Big time. Which is, you know, a Burton classic. So Mm. that's fair, but... Yeah, um, I really, I am going to lean on my, my thing where it's like, you you want the plan to go a certain way and it goes hilariously, disastrously wrong, but the costuming and, like, the effects are so, I feel like people still talk about them a little bit. Yeah. Like, the if you wear a black and white, like, do you remember when, you're not going to remember this, <laughs> 
Miley Cyrus was, I think, performing at the VMAs. I don't remember. And she Who's wore... performing at a what? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> or one of her backup dance... I can't remember. Somebody at her performance wore a black and white striped suit and everyone was like, that motherfucker's Beetlejuice. <laughs> like, you can't get away from was how... Was it on purpose or was that... I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know how it could have been. <laughs> but that's the only thing anyone remembers. It's fine. It's just so iconic. Like, yeah. it's just become instant pop culture touchstone. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, which is another outsized influence of... He wears that for... Uh, maybe two minutes. Yeah, like two minutes out of the entire movie. But it becomes the animated. Yeah, right, right. Dr- get up and therefore, yeah. 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 So it's got all these little offshoots and like, yeah. But I mean, I I love. I'm making it my thing now because it goes well with my my pairing. But like, the idea that this was supposed to be, we're trying to humanize the ghosts, and yeah, mm. that is what it's doing. But now, as you've watched so many of these, like, what if the ghosts were the main character? Like, what stories have they to tell? <laughs> so many of you know, so many movies like that now. And you're like, oh, that would have been a really original and cool idea. This idea that you're seeing this horror movie from the perspective of the ghosts themselves. That's very funny. And their motivations and their, like, tragic backstory Mm -hmm. or whatever. So, yeah. Nice. I love that. That's just a, like, this movie is unexpectedly groundbreaking. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. Who knew indeed? And just a lot of creative energy going into it. Mm -hmm. So that's my takeaway. Wonderful. Well, mine are, well, it's hard with such this, like, movie that is everybody knows. And, yeah. Yeah. But so, like, the things that are my personal little favorites um, are, of course, Michael Keaton is the first one that's hard to get around. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the bureaucratic afterlife, the way that the afterlife is depicted in this, I love so much. Hmm. And it feels really different from how most afterlives are... <laughs> portrayed sure. um there's something about showing an afterlife that is so utterly devoid of any religious trappings whatsoever <laughs> yes. that it's not only that it's trying to like do a safe thing and skirt away from it it's just like no that doesn't exist no it's very like <laughs> judgment doesn't exist there's literally no you're all treated the exact same yeah, yeah. it feels like a full universe of its own that, like, even if you were to be, like, and then religious stuff happens after, you'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. If that's but, where you get sorted into or whatever. Yeah. yeah but it's not it's not the, the feature here. It feels like such a, if there is heaven and hell, this is a third thing. Which yes. I think is Limbo. a neat trick that doesn't get done well very often, I would mm. say. If, it, if it's done very often. I don't even feel like it is. The only thing I can think of, oh, what is that um, British movie where... The guy dies in a plane crash, but not we really. We might talk about it very soon. Oh, shit! <laughs> Oops! A little teaser for you! Yay! Ooh. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, so that... You made your point very well. I did, turns out. So, bureaucratic afterlife. That's something that I think is neat. But to choose something that's not a thing, something like a defending your life, is a really, like, right, right. surface level yeah, yeah. Um, depiction of a similar yes. kind of thing. That's like, here's a third thing that's not the religious stuff, but it's kind of maybe caught up in it. You figured it out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then the rest is up to you. Yes, fair. And as hinted at right now, we're going to double bill uh, Beetlejuice with something. With a mystery movie I definitely don't know. Well, I can't remember the name of, so. (laughs) 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 Would you like to go first? (laughs) Oh, sure, yeah. Let's let's flip the script on this one. Let's Uh, get spooky. So... I'm going to just go for my notes and pretend that you didn't hint at it. I can cut it out. <laughs> there's a movie. No, no, that's fine. Uh, there's a movie in my mind that is very much linked with Beetlejuice. This is something that, like, I, like on a cosmic level, it lines up. Not when you stop and mm. think about what actually happens in the movies. Sure. But it means that there's no 
like Beetlejuice and this movie go together in my mind. Those are the two that go together. <laughs> okay. So nothing else can happen I, to just cuts all the rest out. So my choice is what would by today's metrics be called an out- art house version of the like the visual imagination, the mm. the gag filled afterlife of Beetlejuice, uh, complete with a flamboyant afterlife figure, a non-religious afterlife, and just plenty of bureaucracy to really depict in an interesting way. Um, it is ultimately an inverse of Beetlejuice where it's trying to keep the living and dead more separated than um, what Beetlejuice is about, which is finding, sure. coming across the aisle. <laughs> Reaching across the dead aisle. Yeah, where the okay. aisle is covered in spikes or whatever. <laughs> um, it's from The Archers, Powell and Pressburger. It is A Matter of Life and Death from 1946. That's the name. That's yes. the name. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It is one of, I have a really hard time. The first time I watch movies, I'm typically like, oh, I don't know if that's like a masterpiece or if I just watched it and I was really into it and in like two days I'll be like, yeah, no, it's like a three-star movie. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Let it sit. This was one of the only movies of the past like year and a half that I've watched that was like perfect five-star movie. No, like, yeah, it is totally incredible fair. how ahead of its, it's bizarrely so ahead of its time, both in how it is visually shot. Like it, just the, the oh, standard yeah. shots oh, just yeah. look like something that would have been shot in like the late 70s. As opposed to the mid-40s. Yeah. Um, and the scale of it, like, the yeah. things they do with, like, matte paintings and things, to, like, Insane. Black Narcissus level of... But yeah. where Black Narcissus is depicting reality, A Matter of Life and well, Death is depicting the afterlife in this way that I have, like, seared into my brain. I've only seen this movie one time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and seared into my brain what their afterlife looks like. Oh, yeah, I remember everything. so un real like it's so unreal but then like so perfectly depicted as like oh i get what's going on here totally you see it and you're like yeah that makes sense even though what you're looking at doesn't make sense yeah in the sense that you're like what is physics here what is that doing yeah Yeah. so just a quick overview of this thing it's a an airman miraculously survives bailing out of his plane without a uh, parachute which (laughs) is you know impossible yep uh and the person who's talking him through it is uh, his radio operator, who he falls in love with because, like, guardian angel. There's a lot of psychology I have going to imagine, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Happened a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it does not hurt that... I'm going to look up her name. It doesn't hurt that he meets her and that she is 40s bombshell Kim Hunter of Planet of the Apes fame. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, whiplash. I was yep. like, Kim Hunter? <laughs> Right, yes. It's one of the only times I've seen her face. Yeah, no, fair. <laughs> she's, fair she's a little American cutie. Yeah. Uh, but officials in the afterlife soon realize that he should have died. He was supposed to die, and he just, like, slipped the differential or something. Yeah, someone didn't file their paperwork quite right or yeah. something. Yeah. So they dispatch an angel to collect him and right. bring him to the afterlife, <laughs> uh, whose name is Conductor 71. He's the Beetlejuice in the scenario. He's a so uh, French dandy. Yeah. And he's he doesn't get a lot of screen time, much like Beetlejuice, but he is... So weird and funny. He's, I, so, he's very, he's of another age, yeah. right? Like he died in the in the French Revolution or something. So he's, but so he's, he's got he's, like big blush on his face yeah. and he's wearing like <laughs> Like epaulets. the Seinfeld ruffled shirt. Yeah. Like he's, he's, a, he's a dandy. He's yeah. a dandy. He's a fop. He's very funny. Very French. Yep. There's some cool ways, like the afterlife is all black and white and the real life is all colorful. So there's some nice like Oppenheimer type stuff going on there. Why is that the thing? Everything is Oppenheimer. <laughs> All encompass. But A Matter of Life and Death is my favorite looking and conceptualized afterlife. Sure. Just because it is so big galaxy brain of like, that can't possibly work. Yeah. <laughs> There's some thought about in the movie, is the David Niven is the, the airman, 
is he just hallucinating what he thinks is the afterlife True, because he yeah. fell out of a because fucking he's got airplane? A fucking brain injury. Yeah. Um, no, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, and he does have a legitimate brain injury. Like, how much is he imagining? How much is real life? Yeah. I I love it so much. It's, it's so great, it's, and it's got a lot of good. Like, you know, he's trying to make people believe this in yeah. his time, and like a lot of just really great friendships in that movie. Yeah. Like, like he, he puts together his little team of people that are like, we're going to make this work. We're going to get you your time back. Like, it's, yeah. you know. And yeah. I think every person that he meets after he bails out of the airplane is somebody who he's meeting for the first time. Right, and yeah. you're, like, seeing him meet for the first time. So it really yeah. is a, like, look how this expanded his life. And yeah. yeah it's really sweet. It's really heartwarming yeah. in, a, in a way you don't see genuinely a yeah. lot. Yeah. It's just, like... Pell and Pressburger, they, they... Oh, I mean, you can't go wrong. Everything about... And if you've seen one of their movies, it's like that. So, Yeah, Pell and Pressburger <laughs> is really one of those ones that, like, one of those directors, you're like, oh, this is movie homework. This yeah. is Eat Your Vegetables. It, it is in the sense that it's so foundational and so, like, the craft is so yeah. excellent, but it's also just, like, will blow you away every time. Like, you'll get five to ten minutes into one of their movies and be like, oh, this is old hokey movie. And then right. you'll realize somewhere an hour in, like, oh, this is one of the most captivating things I've ever seen. Yeah, like, I cannot look away from <laughs> I, this. When did that switch happen? Yeah, I know. I, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, well, I'm sorry I pulled the rug up from under you oh, there a fine. little bit, but so, uh, uh, you're right. Beetlejuice is my trashy pick. <laughs> oh, oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, all right. I'm calling a matter of life nice. and death very arty. I respect that. Thank well, you. I'm going to go with something that is... Uh, Beetlejuice is the trashy one, and I'm going to go with something artier in all respects, except maybe the content, where these are okay. these are weird opposites of each other, where Beetlejuice is like a trashy movie formed around a very serious, like, kind of mm. dour concept, yeah. and this movie is very serious and, like, crafted around this lurid, like, trashy fucking premise. Okay. <laughs> Stay with me on it. So I'm I'm going to pair it with another movie about like it's got body horror, it's got incredible effects, great costuming, and it's just like this cultural touchstone of like you know you know it, but you may not know where you know it from. Okay, but I have no uh, idea. What and you're say. anchored by a guy going goblin mode on his character, <laughs> this is going to be Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay, sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I also, as I was saying, and I'm like, this is also a guy get hiring a contractor, and then the plan goes to shit for him. <laughs> he dies. Um, does he die? Yeah, he dies. Dracula? Again, kind of, yeah. Kind of a movie that I barely rem I remember vividly some scenes or some plot points, yeah. and then kind of don't even remember how it ends. Like, you know what I mean? They both get Winona Ryder, so that's... I, exactly, And yes. my review of Bram Stoker's Dracula would be Winona Ryder, so that's... <laughs> And you'd be right to do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah so this this movie, like, you know, shout out to Aiko Ishioka for the costume design. Yes, Just of course. Fucking incredible stuff. Yeah. You, oh, the battle armor, the, like, Vlad the Impaler battle armor. But it, it's also, so Roman Coppola ended up doing the, this is so dorky, doing the a, a lot of the effects to the point where I think they credited him as the, like, visual effects supervisor. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Like this, you know, fucking 25-year-old son of the director, like, incredible. <laughs> Incredible Nepo baby so, stuff. But son, get in here and make a Dracula yeah. with me. <laughs> he Dad. was super into stage magic. Yeah. And that is like, and shadow puppetry. And so all of these things are like, like a lot of the, the effects on screen are just dorky, kind of like very rudimentary, literal smoke and mirrors sometimes, yeah. like shadow puppets. The or, one that you know. I always remember is there's a, a, a crane shot of 
the titular Dracula. Mm. Um, and the walls are literally like shaping and moving around it. And it's yeah. just people move like standing behind the set, yep. moving the walls. Yep. It's not difficult. And but it looks so <laughs> oh, weird. It cool. all yes. And it, it's got that thing of like I believe that this is happening because this guy, it's it's like <laughs> a black a hole <laughs> of like the laws of physics and also human behavior. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it just doesn't make any sense. You're talking for about us. his hair, right? <laughs> the hair, like you can picture that, right? Yeah. It's the same hair as my. I am picturing the sure. Mr. Burns version of the hair, but yes, that's. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, see, good enough for the Simpsons, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it, like this story, you know, the the Dracula of it all is that. There, you've got these people who just want to fuck and they're not allowed and like Mina's writing all these like longing letters home and she's jealous of her friend Lucy who's going out and like you know got three boyfriends yeah exactly like <laughs> One playing the town <laughs> so funny and they're all doing like they've all they're all hopped up on fucking laudanum not hopped up is the wrong word but they're all doing drugs and like just London at the turn of the century weird ass place and so they that's what the movie is about is about this character that like represents these things that like you shouldn't want but mm. you do want and uh yeah so it's this very serious movie built around this very trashy kind of subject yeah. and there's other stuff too like there's there's kind of this isolation of both of them where like Dracula is kind of a tragic figure really mm. right like the Maitlands are, are a pretty tragic figure like their lives were cut short and they're confined to this house and yeah their lives are cut short they wanted a family and never got one mm-hmm. like it's all of it is very sad but it's coached in this like goofy claymation budget through the roof movie and the dog shoving them into over a bridge <laughs> fucking dog and that dog looks them right in their eyes and then hops off the plank that's holding up their car they plunge into the river uh, anyway that's amazing. yes um yeah and so both both of them like if you like Beetlejuice I feel like you will like Dracula for all it's goofy trash like I think Lucy fucks a werewolf at some point boy does she yeah okay all right I'm not misremembering that and, and there's just so much like shady shit going on it is one of the horniest movies oh yeah for sure one of our uh, one of our the 90s, pantheon of not, <laughs> which is incredible on its own yeah I'm only qualifying it because you don't you don't know what people were up to in the 80s <laughs> That's fair, actually. We were coming off an incredible decade. Um, yeah, and, and Beetlejuice is a very silly movie built around a very sad core. Nice. Um, but they both go about their their ways by, like, having this very larger-than-life character appear and, like, make stuff happen. And all of these people in the movie kind of have to deal, like, kind of have to get their lives right yeah, because he appears. Yeah, there's toxic person in their yeah. life that they gotta deal with. <laughs> Which I think well, was the dead. ideal with Renfield and it just did not pan out. <laughs> I didn't see it, so that's maybe unkind of me, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm going with. Great costuming, incredible to look at. If you like Beetlejuice, you'll like the trashy elements of, of Dracula. Yeah. If you liked Bram Stoker's Dracula, you will enjoy the, just like, the dedication to the craft of Beetlejuice. If I you think. like the silly voices of Beetlejuice, you'll enjoy Keanu Reeves saying Budapest. <laughs> Budapest. Budapest. <laughs> That's, uh, he was so tired making this movie, and I feel like it shows. The poor man. Let him poor rest. Yep. Yeah. If we can take a month off, so can Keanu Reeves. Yeah. That's my motto Leave now. Him alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. And oh I God. wanted to, to incorporate one more spooky movie. Nice. That yeah. is good. Yeah. And a thing that we discovered, we watched, uh, we had our own little double build this the other day. We watched Beetlejuice and Carnival of Souls. Yeah, we did. Uh, forgetting how they both start off with a car crash. Dying and, by plunging your car uh, into a river. And yeah, perfect double build there. So there's a bonus third one for you. You just had to get Carnival of Souls in there one more time. I did. You? Love that organ music. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> yeah, if you want some upsetting but thematic music. Beetlejuice, Carnival of Souls. Let's go watch Carnival of Souls again. Oh my god. <laughs> we watched it I yesterday. I will plunge your car into a river. <laughs> Let's get down to the Dracula of it all. I'm going to use that instead of like getting down to brass tacks. Nice, yeah. <laughs> brass tacula. Sorry. I think we're done here. <laughs> I think we're probably done <laughs> uh, Find us on Instagram at GartbidgePod. Uh, Aaron and I are both on Blue Sky. I forget what my name is. Uh, you're just Dick Arnavis, I think. I'm Dick Arnavis. Yeah, you're Macklebase. Yeah, at bsky.social. Yeah. Find us over there. We have invite codes if anyone wants any. Oh, yeah. I got a few of those. It's a fun time. Uh, hit me up. I don't know how you will, but try. <laughs> Instagram. It's a, yes, there's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing you said. <laughs> Did I mention that I'm forgetting a lot of stuff recently? We are out of practice. Uh, bye. Join us next time for another pile of garbage. There you go. Thanks, y'all. That is why I won't do two shows a night anymore, babe. I won't.